there, and welcome to the Educational Resource Podcast. Today, we'll be talking about the importance of introducing technology in the classroom. We'll be interviewing many educators on the importance of technology and diving into five different technological resources that teachers can use in their classrooms. So first, we are going to be talking to Ms. Vichy, and her topic is going to be teaching with video and using video for the teaching and learning. Um, so Ms. Vichy, please introduce yourself. Hello, Victoria. Thank you so much for having me today. I am so glad to be discussing more in depth about my experiences as an OCT using video for teaching and learning in the classroom. To go more in detail, I have been working in the field of teaching for almost eight years and half of my years I have also been working as a DECE. It has been a remarkable experience. Wow, I'm amazed by your experiences and teaching. And it's interesting how you use video uh, for teaching and learning. So how would you describe your experiences using video for teaching and learning? I would say that every time I use the flipped classroom approach, my students have always loved it. I think even now due to the pandemic, many schools are using this approach as it is very beneficial for students. The students mentioned how the teacher created videos make the learning more fun and meaningful. This is because it allows the students to control the pace of their learning as they are able to review, pause and replay at any time. It is more convenient for them and flexible as they do not have to worry about missing a lesson. With this approach, students are also able to stay on track and not be behind in their classes. I've also noticed that with my teacher creative videos, my students' motivation for learning has always increased and improved their retention. In fact, this has also increased student engagement in my class, which I think is great for both the students and the teacher in the classroom. Yeah, that's really awesome. You know, I've never used this approach in my teaching, but now thinking about it, it makes me think that maybe I should. Also, I'm just wondering, how do you allow students to demonstrate their learning using video in the classroom? I'm glad that you asked that question. The way how I allow my students to demonstrate their learning is allowing them to record themselves in unique ways. This style in turn is used as a different part of the assessment. Students usually do usually enjoy doing this rather than doing tests and quizzes all the time. My students have recorded themselves several times, such as by reading a book, passage, or an essay that they wrote. They have also demonstrated their learning through video by doing a science experience experiment as well as making sure no dangerous materials are needed to conduct the experiment. In the end, students are often asked to share what they have learned. And for math, they, I have allowed my students to pretend as if they are the teacher, and this has helped me many times to understand what the students have learned from the content. I firmly believe that the activities are supposed to be fun that further increases motivation for students so they are able to build strong connections between the content and from what ha they have learned. In today's world, there are a lot of free platforms for both students and teachers to use while being creative and having fun at the same time. You know, I love how you have given some suggestions for our audience. I never knew there are endless ways to how students can demonstrate their learning using video in the classroom. Another thing that I wanted to ask, um, what are some ideas and strategies for teaching uh, teachers using video for teaching learning in the classroom? Do you have any tips that you would like to let our audience know about? Yeah, for sure. I'm happy to provide some valuable tips for our teachers. Firstly, make sure that the videos are instructional and meaningful for your students. I also think that it's important to allow your students to complete a practice assessment after watching the video and provide feedback. This way we know if our students understand the content. Another tip that I highly recommend is posting announcements of upcoming deadlines of assignments and tests to remind your students. 
This ensures that students are not lost and focusing on one task at a time. Next, having discussion boards with a few questions for students to answer and post, which further allows room for critical thinking and creates a social learning network. One of my favorite parts of creating videos is using a conversational style. This helps the students to feel more personally connected to us through the video. Also, always remember to break the material into multiple shorter videos and avoid using too much visual information. Well, these are some strategies that I have for teachers using video for teaching and learning in the classroom. I hope they are very helpful. Yes, thank you, Ms. Vichy, for joining us today. Next, we're going to go to Ms. Fatima, um, and, who is a kindergarten teacher, and she will share some key tips on how to successfully run an online classroom with the kinders. Hi, Ms. Victoria. Thanks for having me. Hi. So um, I have a question for you. Uh, what is one key thing to successfully running an online classroom for kindergarten students? Yes. Um, firstly, I think it's important to build a strong relationship with the parents and caregivers of our students. Um, they can help a lot, especially with some of the technical aspects, such as logging into the platform, accessing handouts, submitting homework and assignments, and helping the students even turning cameras on and off, um, putting their mics on mute, etc. Also, another thing is that as a teacher, it is crucial we are very clear and direct with our instruction and communication with the parents. When it comes to emails, for example, you try to use the same format in your emails. Um, try to make sure that it's uh, you're sending out emails at the same uh, time of the day. And also giving reminders about deadlines in the email, adding links to documents and resources, inserting screenshots and how to submit something, et cetera. So parents are vital to the virtual learning experience. They can help you um, a lot as a teacher. Yeah, I agree. These kids need to socialize. Um, so another question I have is, um, how do we make this work in our online classroom with the kinders? Yes, Miss Victoria, you are right. These kids need to move around and they need to get to know each other and just get comfortable. The social and the emotional elements of learning are super important at this young age. As a teacher, we have to try our best first to be positive ourselves and have a smile on our faces, asking warm and welcoming questions such as what did you have for breakfast? What did you do on the weekend? Can you share one question you really enjoyed doing from last week's homework? To get them comfortable with coming on the camera, using an icebreaker activity like can you bring something that is yellow in your house in front of the camera or can you bring your favorite fruit or vegetable in front of the camera and also putting the kids into smaller groups or these breakout sessions having them greet each other um, by their names letting them just just talk to each other it doesn't even have to be about the content itself uh, the kids will um, open up and share in these smaller groups as opposed to uh, a big a bigger group yeah for sure um, so what is one thing you have to be cautious about when conducting an online class with kinders? Yeah, I think it would, it would be the overall netiquette. So the rules around how do you interact with others online. When it comes to, for example, the chat feature we have on some of these platforms, children can send messages and emojis, which at the beginning might seem all cute and fun. However, things can become inappropriate. Students can get distracted and the class might not run as planned in terms of the lesson activities. 
So it is essential that as a teacher, we do establish some netiquette guidelines, making it clear, for example, how the chat box should not be treated as an instant messenger like you'd use with friends and just being kind and respectful in our tone overall. Having an assistant teacher there to monitor the chat, to, to moderate the chat. And if any such issues do arise, you can just, uh, they can let you know after class so you can directly get in touch with the students after the class. Another thing to keep in mind is the engagement or the motivation piece. Um, these kids need to move around as we talked about uh, this earlier. So giving them breaks where they can physically leave the screen for a bit is crucial. It's such a simple thing to ask for, yet so crucial for their attention span. Also at times calling out on students just randomly to read a, to read a question out loud or to walk the class through a solution to a question or have a student paraphrase an instruction that was given uh, by you by the teacher. This helps even you as a teacher to understand whether the class has understood the instructions that need to be followed and having the kids, uh, you know, for example, give green check marks if they finish a task. Um, all, are, all are different ways to, to keep them engaged and motivated in the class. Yes, I love that. I love how we use in our classes the green checks marks. It really keeps us uh, on track. Um, so thank you, Ms. Fatima. Next, I would like to shift gears and introduce and speak with Ms. Julia, who is a special education teacher, and she will be discussing inclusive technology in the classroom. Hi, Ms. Julia. Hi, Ms. Victoria. Thank you so much for having me today. Um, so I really want to emphasize that having inclusive technologies in the classroom is so important and can benefit all students, not just students with disabilities. Uh, making technology accessible allows for all students to participate and learn from the material. The goal of having a successful technology is that no student is left behind. So one of my favorite technologies to use in the classroom with my students is Read and Write for Google Chrome. It, pro it provides support that makes documents, web pages, Google Drive files, and PDFs more accessible. This literacy toolbar allows for students to engage with digital content that suits their ability and learning style. I've seen my own students gain confidence with reading, writing, studying, and research. Yeah, this sounds like an amazing tool to have in the classroom. Uh, so my question is, what are some of the features and how can students use them? So Read and Write for Google has so many amazing features. I'm not going to list them all, but to, uh, to mention a few, it offers text-to-speech, which lets you hear words, passages, or an entire document read aloud with easy to follow dual color highlighting. Text and picture dictionaries gives word definitions and sentence examples. It has an intuitive word prediction. So as you type, it makes creating sentences easier. Students are able to turn documents into audio files, convert PDFs to Word and have them read aloud. It's, so it really is an amazing tool that benefits students with all abilities in so many ways. Yeah, it really seems like students can benefit from using this in the classroom or even online from home through virtual learning. Yeah, exactly. I'm so glad that you brought that up. So since virtual learning has become the new normal, it's important to add that um, this programming can help students with assignments as they can use this on their own personal devices from home. Um, so another technology that my students really enjoy is Kahoot. For those who are not sure what this is, Kahoot is a game-based learning platform that makes it easy to create, share, and play learning games or trivia quizzes. I really like this gamified learning personally. Um, I usually create Kahoot's based on notes on a certain subject from class. 
I find that this allows for my students to have a better understanding of concepts spoken about in class while making it really fun and engaging. Specifically, I really like that Kahoot has added the Kahoot Challenge feature, which allows for students to play Kahoot after class at their own pace, which is a really nice feature because sometimes completing the quizzes in class for some students can feel a bit too rushed. Um, Kahoot can also be used for basic skills like memorizing shapes and colors. I have also used Kahoot um, a lot in the beginning of the school year as a way to get to know my students and for the class to get to know each other as well. So what I do is I combine questions and answers from students like favorite foods, colors, and pets. And it's a, a really fun way to get to class, um, to get to know each other a little bit. Yeah, that really sounds amazing. You know, I've heard of Kahoot's before, but I wasn't aware of all the features. And I really like how you can get so creative with it. Um, and I also like that it keeps the students engaged and it makes learning more fun. So is Kahoot something teachers continue to do while teaching virtually? Yes, um, absolutely. So teachers are able to host Kahoot Live by video conferencing with screen sharing capability. Um, this is done using a variety of platforms, including Google Hangouts, Skype, or Zoom. Uh, I have done this virtually in my classes and it's, it's worked pretty well. It breaks the class up and adds a really fun aspect. And I find that the students really uh, look forward to it. I also wanted to mention quickly that teachers can encourage their students to create their own cahoots based on learning content. And this takes the students from being learners to leaders. Uh, this is a pedagogy that empowers students to take control of their learning and become creators of knowledge. Um, so I think that is all I have to say about Kahoot, and I hope what I said is um, helpful. Um, Kahoot really is, um, or both of these tools that I mentioned are really great to use in the classroom. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for sharing these two technologies today. I think you've really given some great suggestions for the teachers listening. Yeah, of course. Thank you again for having me. And just lastly, one, one more thing I want to mention. Um, so you really don't need to be a special education teacher to incorporate these technologies. Both Read and Write for Google Chrome and Kahoot will benefit students uh, no matter their ability. Yes, that's very true, especially with the whole universal design for learning. It's very, it's very useful. So thank you so much, Julia. Um, so next, we're going to move on to Miss um, Cassandra, and um, she's going to be talking about Bitmoji classrooms. And she's also a member of the OCT, speaking about the significance of introducing Bitmoji classrooms. Okay, hi, Miss Victoria. So to answer the question of using technology in the classroom, there are many resources available. The one resource that I've used personally in the many years of experience is introducing Bitmoji classrooms to in-person classrooms and virtual classrooms. So Bitmoji classroom is essentially a virtual classroom that can incorporate different resources for students in every subject. Throughout online classes due to COVID-19, teachers are essentially recreating a replica of their in-person classroom. Resources like the school calendar are easy Easy, easily accessible to young students and provides them with a sense of virtual familiarity and stability during a tough time. In the virtual room, clickable icons, links to assignments, games, read-alouds, and short video lessons are incorporated. Incorporating Bitmoji classrooms has created more excitement around classes, which helps motivate students in learning. The first time I attended a Bitmoji workshop, my mind was completely blown. The amount of resources were endless. Any ideas that educators have to incorporate into a Bitmoji classroom, it is truly doable. 
So how will the Bitmoji Classroom be interactive for all students who are doing schooling from home? So when first research, researching this topic many years ago, there was a various amount of resources to make a, a virtual Bitmoji Classroom interactive. When first entering a Bitmoji Classroom, students have the opportunity to click on different parts of the classroom that they are interested in. For example, when entering a library Bitmoji Classroom, teachers are able to set up books for students that send them to an online recording of the book of their interest. Any ideas teachers have to get their students engaged in an in-person classroom is doable through a Bitmoji classroom. And I'm definitely gonna be emphasizing that throughout my discussion. There can be links to online coloring sheets, math activities, letter and word recognition, and the list truly continues. Getting to know your students and their interests is a very important factor. So students are interested in and engaged in the Bitmoji classroom. Another way that students can become more involved is to ask your students to make their own Bitmoji avatar. Students can personalize their own avatar and share their avatar with classmates. This can actually lead to a visual arts assessment. Students are able to choose their Bitmoji's height, build, eye and nose shape, hairstyle, smile, outfit, and the list continues to make it truly personalized to their themselves. Something that I use in my classroom is letting my own students make their own Bitmoji and create an All About Me page incorporating the Bitmoji avatars. There are many different poses and actions that students are able to use. For example, there are actions of Bitmojis playing basketball, soccer. There's even Bitmoji pictures of eating pizza. Once again, the options are endless. Wow, there are so many ways to engage students in the Bitmoji classroom. Uh, so what are some recurring Bitmoji classroom themes that teacher have implemented to keep students interested and engaged? So the options are truly endless when working with Bitmoji Classroom. Anything that you would think that is incorporated in an in-person classroom can be um, in, an, in a Bitmoji Classroom. So I'll go through a couple, couple of examples, but there truly are, like I haven't even gone through most of the themes. Wow. So the first one that I wanted to touch on is the library, which can be considered as a book flick. So there are many teachers who set up libraries for their students um, on different topics, Categor categorizing libraries in different themes so students have the opportunity to choose and read books of their interest. For students who are still learning how to read, these digital audiobooks help students go through these books independently with no extra help needed for parents. Um, there's also Bitmoji classrooms on brain breaks. Um, we will talk about this more further on in the podcast as well. So this essentially is giving students the opportunity to take a break from the curriculum and be able to complete activities that they would be interested in. Um, so for example, coloring sheets, reading stories on their own time, taking a picture walkthrough, walkthrough of books and doing daily physical activities through online videos. Um, and another theme would be an at-home recess, since students are not able to be at school and be with their friends. We can set up different um, online meeting times for recesses for students to be interacting with their friends during recess. Um, there's art themes, coloring pages, art classes, paint by numbers, math arcade themes, ESL classrooms, zones of regulations, all about me pages a science fair theme, and for the younger kids learning their ABCs and word recognition. That's really great. So the options really do seem endless. Um, so my next question is, uh, what grades is the Bitmoji Classroom focused towards? So the Bitmoji Classroom can have significant results throughout grades K to 12. 
a 10th grade English teacher created a Bitmoji cell phone policy poster that outlined when it is okay and isn't okay to use your cell phone. While a first and second grade teacher in California created Bitmoji COVID-19 posters to remind her students of protection and hand washing measures. Um, there are zones of regulations for the primary grades. This gives the students an opportunity to place their avatar in the color that they are feeling. This gives students a sense of expressing their emotions and finding ways to cope and find ways to bring themselves back into the zones that they want to be in. Um, during the pandemic, having many online classes, even throughout the university courses, professors have used Bitmoji classes to ensure their students have all the resources in one place making it a fun and interactive environment, even for older students. Once again, working with students who are entering a kindergarten classroom, up to working with mature students in university or master's programs. Bimoji Classrooms is an organized organization tool that has students of all ages captured and intrigued by the aspect of the interaction given. So we will now be moving on to talking about the arts and technology. So we will now be speaking with Miss Victoria. Thank you so much, Ms. Cassandra, and I loved your presentation on Bitmoji Classrooms. That was fantastic. Um, so I am going to be talking about theater and how um, drama teachers can be teaching online during these crazy times. And I really decided I want to talk about this subject in this podcast because I think it's such an interesting subject to be translated online because it's such a physical and relationship-based subject. So how can you even implement that online? And I also realized um, I'm going to be specifically talking about the younger grades because um, it might be difficult to have these younger grades be disciplined on an online environment for drama because it is to do a lot with putting them in breakout rooms they might not have developed that uh, self-discipline yet or they might not even have a concept of time yet they don't know how to tell time so if you say oh i'm going to go put them out in a breakout room for 10 minutes they don't know how long they have to complete that task um, so it, it is a bit difficult. So I actually started by uh, looking at the Ontario curriculum for drama. So it says um, in grades one to three, pretend play, personal stories and experiences, nursery rhymes, poetry and folk tales and stories from around the world should be used to stimulate the imagination and encourage social interaction. Primary students should be encouraged to explore a variety of texts and to represent their understandings in multiple ways as well, because drama is a highly social art form, teachers should explicitly teach and model effective group skills to help primary students learn to work well with others. Wow, this is a really interesting topic. Mm -hmm. um, wouldn't it be hard to implement this curriculum online? Yes, because this isn't a curriculum that was catered to an online environment, so it will be super challenging to implement, but I have brainstormed and researched certain ideas that could help. So I suggest always starting with a warm up because it's really good and fun for all ages. It's a great way to get them physically engaged, warm up their bodies and voices and encourage the social interaction despite being online. So the first warm up that I have is an adaption of the drama game that's usually used in class, but it's called Who's Missing? So the adaption of this is um, basically you get the kids to come up to the camera and they put their hands over their eyes or if they're tempted to look, you can ask them to bunch up in a little ball underneath the camera uh, so they're not, you know, tempted to look and basically you put one child into a waiting room or a breakout room depending on which online platform you're using and then you tell the kids to 
open their eyes and see who can point out who's the first person missing. So whoever sees who's missing first wins the game. So it's actually teaching them to be aware of their surroundings, which is a huge part of drama. And they absolutely love this game. It can be used for all ages as well, not just for the younger kids. Um, and one of my favorite ones, especially for the younger kids is uh, called pull, pull a funny or odd face. So it's really good for facial warmups. Um, so basically what you do is you ask the students to come super close to the camera and then for five seconds you get them to make as many funny faces as possible and then you shout freeze and you go through each student one by one and ask them to justify their face and create a bit of funny dialogue inspired by their face. They want to do this one every single time so this is a really good tool to use. Um, I also really like doing voice warm up. So doing group songs, um, repeating funny phrases, making sounds, um, tongue twisters. And there's also a really great physical game called one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, where you move a different part of your body every time you count up to the number and you gradually increase in speed and get louder. So it's actually really fun with the volume on. So after you do your um, warm ups, I like to talk about some class content that is specifically for class, not about about homework or anything just to keep your students engaged the entire time. Um, so I have this really cute idea called friend fairy tales. So if they're younger, you as a teacher read the stories to the group and then put them out in their little groups or with the older primary, you can um, put them together in a group, give them PDFs to read from and they can choose their own story. But basically what the idea is, is that the students choose a fairy tale, they read it and they create six tableau scenes to tell that story. So Tableau just means like a quick snapshot of a story. So they're all frozen in place. So it's great physically, it's great creative uh, to be creative. Um, so basically you can create groups of six. So it's easier for you to go in and out and manage time since they might not have a concept of time and keep them disciplined since they will be bigger groups. So then after they do that, they come back into the main room and they present these six tableau scenes and the rest of the students try and guess which fairy tale they decided to do. Um, and that's only if they, they chose which one. But if you read the story, obviously they'd know. Um, but I also like the idea of doing a virtual talent show. So you ask them to be prepared and come to class with 30 seconds to one minute of um, something they like to do, whether it be singing or acting or hula hooping or whatever they like to do. It's a really fun and engaging tool to use. Um, and even getting the younger kids to draw pictures of what they think their characters look like um, as a visual arts aspect and ask them to talk about it and um, even getting them to dress up in costumes when they come to class is super fun and engaging and get them to tell you about it. I also like the idea of um, getting an object from their house uh, before class starts and putting them in breakout rooms with their groups of six so you can easily manage again and um, create a story around that object with their friends um, for something that isn't actually what that object is. So like if it's a toilet paper roll, it can be a wand or something like that. And then get them to share it back when they come in. But it's also important to note that um, it's different with students' comfort levels and with performing. So if they're not that comfortable, don't make them come on, you know, just try and uh, gauge their levels of comfort when it comes to performing. Those are all very helpful and creative ways to help teacher teachers teach younger students. Do you have anything to quickly add that might be helpful for teachers of older students? Yes. Um, so I actually really like how with drama, it's easily implemented online with the older students. Um, this is because they can read, you know, they have that concept of time and that self-discipline. So um, I really like the idea of maybe uh, getting a play 
and reading through that play with uh, your students on Zoom. And through this, uh, you can kind of gauge which students uh, like to act and who like to be upfront. So you can even give them a little questionnaire saying like, what do you want from this? Do you want to be more production based? Do you want to be more um, like uh, someone who is a smaller character? Um, and then you can cast based off of their interests. And then this is also a really great way to start talking about character development. So getting them to walk around like their character, walk around the room like your character, or if they're an animal, like how does your animal move and get them to do um, assignments based off of research that they have accumulated about those characters. Um, you can do weekly rehearsals online. And then in summer rehearsals, you can actually get students to go off into breakout rooms and then pick some audio that they could use or some backgrounds and zoom that they can use and then at the end use those production elements for a zoom performance that you can record. And I would also like to mention that with doing these rehearsals online, it would also be useful to get them to do assignments or get them to brainstorm in class. Um, the GOAT, which is the goals, obstacles, and tactics and expectations of their characters. So through doing these online rehearsals, ask them what are their characters' goals, what are their obstacles, what are their tactics and their expectations, and get them to create their character through that. Um, encourage them to do this on camera or as an assignment. Um, even ask them questions and do worksheets with them virtually, such as, you know, where did my character come from? What is their favorite ice cream? How old are they? And uh, what family members do they have? Um, I also think it's a really good idea to do um, virtual monologues. So giving them um, PDFs of monologues that you think would be appropriate for their age and get them to either memorize them and come to class or get them to do this as an assignment that they can put on YouTube. And even if you do do it in class, I think that'd be beneficial since it would include, uh, it would encourage the live action version of theater. And um, through doing this, they can perform online and then get peer feedback, um, which I think would be really useful. So yeah, that's just a little bit more that I would like to add to this subject. And um... so yeah, that is everything that we have been talking about today in our podcast. I really hope that everybody enjoyed and found it useful and informative. So thank you so much for listening today.